another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello. This week, uh, we're switching things up a little bit. It's international break, so we're going to bring on some guests today and along with some of our regulars today for this. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Chris and uh, Calvin is joining us today, and, and they're both going to start us off with some loan talk. Guys, first off, how are you guys doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Um, my NFL weekend didn't go so well. Uh, I'm ready for Everton to get back to give me some good news, which is the reverse of how it normally goes. But uh... <laughs> like, likewise, Chris. Yeah, I didn't have a great weekend on my side too. So can't wait for some uh, regular football to come back. Yeah, it's, uh, me and Chris actually share the same NFL team, so naturally neither of our weekends went well. And <laughs> Calvin, I'm sorry to hear that for you as well. But Everton's coming back this week. We got we got good things to focus on here. Hopefully, um, you know, with West Ham coming up. But before we get into that, let's start off with just some loan players. Chris, run through who we have on loan. We have a bunch of players on loan. Where they are, just give us a brief breakdown. Yeah, so it's been kind of a crazy summer. You know, it's not just been the young players going out on loan this year. We had a lot of big salaries that had to go out that. Nobody wanted to purchase outright. So according to my notes, we have Henry Onyekuru in Turkey at uh, Galatasaray. Um, Nikola Vlasic is at um, CSKA Moscow. Yannick Velassi, Aston Villa. Shani Tereshah, I apologies if I mispronounce that, is back at his old club in Switzerland. Mohamed Besic is at Middlesbrough with Tony Pulis. So it's a match made in heaven. Maddie Pennington at Ipswich Town, Ashley Williams at Stoke City, Kuko Martina also at Stoke City, uh, making up half of one of the most interesting defenses in the world, I would have to say. Um, <laughs> Sandro Ramirez is in Spain at Real Sociedad. Anthony Robinson and Callan Connolly are at Wigan Athletic. And I believe Joe Williams is at Bolton, if I yes. remember that correctly. So um, there's a lot going on out there, and I think, you know, outside of maybe Ashley Williams and Yannick Bellassi, there's mostly players that we could see that I hope to see back in an Everton uniform um, at some point in the future. So it definitely bears watching in terms of their their development and, and discussion and that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, a lot of players out on loan, a lot of players that go through there. But like you said, it's kind of a, a good mix of, of, you know, players, you know, who – you know, have those big salaries, but also some players we hope to see back here and, and um, some players who even took part in the international break. But sticking with this, and Calvin, we're going to introduce you here, um, get you right into things here, and we're going to start start with just some standouts for you so far. Who is really of these lone performers yeah. uh, has stood out so far this season and is really looking good? Yeah, it's still early. We've only played three or four games, uh, but I, I think the the one that's standing out the most is probably the one that you know I think uh, bears the the most or has the most potential and has a lot of eyes on him. It's Henry Onyekuru playing uh, out in Turkey right now. Um, he's off to a good start. He's played the better part of four games. Uh, he's already got two goals. Uh, Galatasaray received a pretty favorable draw in the champion, Champions League, so they're going to be in Group D, which is a, a pretty even group. Um, of course, why why this is all important is we need Henry Onyekuru to be playing international football, to be playing Champions League football. Um, this makes the entire process of him getting a work permit much easier, and then that speeds up the, the chances uh, of, of him uh, playing for Everton next season. 
Yeah. So with Anya, with Anyakuru, do you see if he can get? Let's presume that he gets his work permit, right? Do you right. see him coming straight into the first team and either displacing someone or working from the bench, or do you see him as a better talent than Adamola Lookman, for example? Or like, what what would be your short term projection for Henry? So, so it, it's it's interesting because I so Henry Anyakuru doesn't look like the kind of forward who can play as a sole striker. Uh, I did see him uh, used in that manner by Anderlecht last season, and he struggled. Um, he's not necessarily the largest, uh, you know, bulkiest player to play center forward, so he's not going to be bullying any any center halves in the Premier League. Um, what he where he is going to beat people is he's going to beat them for pace. Um, so, you know, I, I see him great in a, either a role as a secondary striker playing just off, um, you know, say Chenk, for example, uh, knocking down, uh, you know, uh, high balls or long balls and letting Henry go chase or, or else out, out on the wing. Now, if he goes out on the wing, I think he is a more polished player at this point than Adamola is. Um, that being said, we, you know, we don't know, right? Uh, until until he actually gets to England and plays a couple of games there, it's really hard to tell. Um, I, I think our experiences from last summer kind of taught us that. Uh, we thought Davy Klassen, you know, looked pretty good at European level football. And it was like, yeah, yep, this guy should work out. And he just seemed like yards off the pace uh, when, when he did finally suit up for Everton. So... Um, again, I think Henry Onyekuru has the skill. I think he has the pace. Um, I, I've watched him uh, play a little bit for the Nigeria youth team as well. And, and again, he's 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 a standout talent easily. But does that get him ready to play in the Premier League? I don't know. Uh, I, I feel he has all the right abilities. So I, I want to be positive. But uh, yeah, uh, until he until he gets to Everton and plays a game, it's going to be hard to tell. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think if you're looking at it kind of from Everton's, like their organizational, organizational perspective, the best case scenario is probably that he kind of phases out Theo Walcott in a year, 18 months or two years, somewhere in there. And it's kind of a seamless transition on that, on that wing. Hopefully that's what, I mean, that's what I would like to see because I think he does have that kind of talent. But like you said, it's, it's a little bit of a projection at this point. The best case is probably that he helps replace Theo Walcott. The worst case is that he's Sandra Ramirez 2.0. Um, so I'm excited yeah. uh, and also a little bit nervous. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, there's always that factor of uh, mystery and, and um, uncertainty with these lone players. But a lot of hope behind Onyekuru. Uh, uh, um, and hopefully he can come, you know, and, and be an, a significant part of this Everton team in the future. But, Chris, we'll go to you now with this one. Um, we'll move on to some performers who haven't – some lone players who haven't performed to their potential. Who do you think specifically has really not stood out and really performed below potential on their spell? Uh, this is a little bit unfair, and it's going to be kind of obvious why it's unfair, and that's Ashley Williams. Um, I've seen a couple of clips, and uh, he got uh, sent off in a game. I don't remember the opponent, but – he has continued his downward spiral and I fully expect that Everton will just let him walk on a free transfer um, in the, the next summer. He's been terrible. Um, I haven't seen any of Anthony Robinson's games with Wigan, but I did watch him play 90 minutes for the United States national team the other night against Brazil and uh, Douglas Costa just 
ran him around the pitch nonstop. And Robinson, I guess what my takeaway from that is not that Anthony Robinson is not going to turn out to be a good player because I think he is. It was more that you can see exactly why Everton purchased Lucas, um, Lucas Denier. Uh, again, Anthony is, is raw. He's young. We could see all of those, um, elements, uh, against, uh, Costa. I mean, Douglas Costa has, what he did to, uh, Anthony Robinson, he's done to better, more experienced, faster, um, you know, uh, fullbacks as well. So, um, I, I think no shame there for Anthony, but I, I think that was a really good learning lesson for him from probably one of the world's best at that position. Yeah, and I think I think like both of you guys have said, it's really just shown us that he isn't there yet playing with those top players. He's not at that spot that we need him to be yet, and you know hopefully he can grow and become that player over his loan spell uh, this year. And you know if he has to go on another one, but right now not there. Um, but moving on to now situations, players that are in good situations and players that are in bad situations. Calvin, we'll go back to you to start this one off. Who do you think is in the best situation now? Uh, at their loan spell. You know, I again, just uh, uh, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit here, but I will quickly mention Onyekuru. I think he's in a good situation for himself. Um, I think Nikola Vlasic finds himself in a very good situation too because he's gone off to CSKA in Moscow. And right now they have him playing as their, like, number 10. He's He's become their main man, which is something I think on RBM we've been saying for a long time that, he needs to play as a 10. Um, he was wasted out on the wing. I don't think he got to show his best abilities out on the wing. You know, pretty much like when we saw Sigurdsson taken out onto the wing and it, it just is not the same player, doesn't have the same influence. So it's, it, I think Vlasic is, is, is in a good situation right now where the team sort of revolves around him there. And uh, I think he's showing himself off. Uh, I think he's played two games already and he's been like a key member of uh, CSK already. And Again, I think that's only just going to get better for him. Um, Besic finds himself in a good situation too. Again, he was at Borough for the second half of last season. Um, he became a key member of their three-man midfield. Didn't really show too much um, in the preseason at Everton, but he's gone back to Borough, and again, he's he's, he's very comfortable there. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a it, it's it's a good situation for him there too. Uh, he's he's guaranteed some minutes there as a starter. And, uh, you know, I, I think for, for a lot of the younger players in Everton, I think those are the kinds of situations that uh, uh, Marcel Brands has been trying to get them is to get them starting minutes. Because if they're going to go else, uh, uh, go away somewhere else on loan, then, you know, what the, what's the point of them sitting on the bench there when they could be doing exactly the same thing either at Everton or at the under-23s? So, it, 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 again, they need to be playing. Uh, a lot of these kids need to be playing. And uh, I, I, th- I think it was a surprise that Kieran Dowell stayed and didn't end up going on loan. But at the same time, we don't really have too much cover behind Sigurdsson. So I, I can see why he stayed too. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, just to repeat what you're saying, really, you know, it's very good and very important that these players get time because the only way to really get better is to get that in-game uh, experience uh, yeah. week in and week out and, and really start week in and week out for a team. Um, Chris, before we move on to any worst, uh, any of the players in, the, in bad situations, any in good situations for you that have not been mentioned, or do you want to move right into the the worst situations and, and talk about players that are, are in I, bad situations? 
I agree with Calvin, especially about Nikola Vlasic. I think it's good for him to get into a semi-competitive team, especially one that's in the Champions League. Um, kind of encouraged by uh, Sandra Ramirez's situation. I think uh, Sociedad are nowhere near as good as Sevilla were last season, which is where he was um, last year. But uh, So he should get some game time and, and kind of low-pressure environments. But other than that, I think we can we can move on. All right, let's move on now then to players in, in bad situations. Uh, and, and Chris, we'll go right to you. Um, give me a player who's in a bad situation at his loan spell. I think that uh, I'm going to have to go with Matty Pennington because not only did he kind of underwhelm at Leeds United last season, uh, there were not many suitors for him in the summer. And Everton kind of shipped him out at the last second to Ipswich Town. Where um, they are currently second to last in the championship table with a grand total of three points through six games, and you know if you're playing on a team that bad at his age, I think I don't have it in front of me. I believe he is 23. Um, I don't think that we're going to be seeing much of Pennington back at Everton. I think that he his development, if there was any developing left to do, has pretty much stalled. And Ipswich Town is just not a great place to grow as a player. So I think that would be my first answer. Calvin, how about you? Anybody in a bad situation for you? Uh, so I guess I guess a couple of players who probably are on their way out from Everton right now. Uh, Shani Tarashai, one of them, I would say, um, going back to Grasshopper. Again, it's, it, 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 is it an opportunity for him to show once again why we signed him to begin with or is it just he's lost his mojo he needs to go back home um and you know i think even since he's gone back to grasshopper i think he's yet to feature uh sounds like i think he picked up another injury again um some minor knock so it's it's uh again feels like a dead end for him um kevin morales uh, uh again we still have two more years of morales on the contract i is it two or maybe three years now? I, but either way, he, he's gone to Fiorentina. Um, I think he's been on the bench. Um, he's, he's not going to be able to show much there. I don't think he's going to get too many minutes um, either. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm impressed he, that Fiorentina were even interested in him, considering how badly he did when he went to Olympiacos last season. So, uh, again... I, I don't know what the future for Kevin Morales is, but I don't think it belongs at Everton. Yeah, yeah just I, a I, quick point point of order there. Kevin Morales' contract runs until 2020 with Everton, and I'm double-checking, but I do not believe that he has played a single minute for Fiorentina yeah, just yet. Yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. Nope. Normally so. not in a good situation for somebody who's on loan, right, guys? No, no, not at all. All right, well, there you have it, Calvin. Thank you for joining us uh, for this segment. Uh, you know, we'll have you on more in the future. Um, Chris, as always, thanks for joining us for this segment. Um, and as we continue here, we're going to move on to a little bit of Everton ladies um, with our own Adam and Rachel, who are going to talk a little bit about the women's soccer end of things, something that doesn't get talked out about a little, talked about a lot. Um, and Adam's going to really take over as the host from here. So, guys, how about it? Hello, School of Science listeners. We've got a real treat for you this week on our international break episode. Uh, we're going to take a look at one of the less covered parts of the Everton Football Club family, uh, Everton Ladies FC. Uh, this is Adam with you here tonight, and with me also is Royal Blue Mersey's Rachel. 
You may know her as the writer of our Tom Davies fashion blog, but she's <laughs> also our EFC ladies expert, and I'm excited to get her takes tonight. Rachel, how you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, you, uh, you're our expert, so we're happy to, uh, to be able to talk to Ladies Club a little bit tonight. It's, uh, not something that necessarily gets some of the attention that it's due. So, uh, I'm happy that, that we can try to have a, a bigger conversation about them. Um, just to give all our listeners, especially if you're not necessarily that well versed in, in where the EFC ladies team is coming from, just a little bit of background. Uh, they had been down in the second division of, uh, of English ladies football for probably around a decade, uh, before the 2017-18, uh, women's super league season, uh, they were basically, uh, invited to join the first division, not through promotion, but because another team in the division had bowed out, uh, they applied for this spot and joined the league. Uh, so last year was their first year in the, uh, women's super league. The team is managed by Andy Spence, who has been with the club since 2004 in one capacity or another. Um, and the name that you may find most familiar is uh, Gabby George. She's recently earned multiple uh, call-ups to the English national team. And she is, interestingly enough, the cousin of Manchester United's Jesse Lindgard. Uh, so fun fact for you. Um, so, Rachel, I, I want to start last season, first season back up in the in the top tier for a while. Mm-hmm. What happened last year? What were our main takeaways from the 2017-18 uh, Everton Ladies seasons? So last season was historic because they they came back into the top tier, which was wonderful, and where they belong, by the way. I think we should just yeah. um, get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> so it's wonderful they're, they were back, but also they it was historic because they – all the players went full-time. In the beginning of um, the season, Everton made all of um, the players fully professional, which which was historic, and they got a leg up because this season that was um, that was one of the ways that you, you could be in the top tier. It was every all the top tier teams are now fully professional. So they they started that with Gabby George. Um, and if you remember, there were, there was that shock um, retirement from the captain, Michelle Hinnigan, because she, who she had been with Everton forever and she was pretty much the face of Everton. And, um, but she, the whole time she was going to school and she became a teacher and for her, the full-time thing didn't work, unfortunately. So she had to, retire um, because she had put so much into her career. Um, And it also may hint at how much they are being paid that she would choose um, a teaching career over, over Everton. But um, again, we don't know specifics about that. So, but it was these huge historic, you know, amazing that they were all professional. And, and so it was this new, this new era of um, fully professional players for Everton ladies. Um, and on paper, you know, they, they came in ninth out of 10th. Um, so that doesn't sound amazing, but there were some really good highlights. First of all, um, you know, nine out of 10, hey, that's not 10th place. It's not 10th. Um, it's better than last. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but also, um, 
they they got really far in their FA Cup um, campaign. So they got to a semifinal. That that was huge. Um, they did good in in their cup in their cup games. Um, they did well there. They also gave the top teams, you know, like Manchester or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Man City and um, Chelsea, the two biggies. They actually gave them a run for their money every time they played them. So yeah, and I, the um, thing that that I found interesting kind of looking back at the numbers from last year was that they finished ninth out of 10 in the league. Uh, they had a minus 11 goal differential. The two teams that finished above them had minus 25 and minus 34. Wow. And this is o- only over an 18 game season. If, if you're not aware of that. So mm-hmm. uh, they didn't pull out the results, but they were playing those top teams a lot closer than Sunderland, Bristol city or Yeovil town, the, the teams that finished around them. Yeah, that's, that's a great stat. That's a great point, definitely. Um, and that's huge um, because those those top teams are, are huge, like the difference in, in their resources and, and their recruiting and everything. It's huge. So the fact that they would they did that is, is immense. Um, um, there was, because of the restructuring of the WSL, there, there wasn't relegation. Um, so... So that was nice that they didn't have to worry about that, but they wouldn't have been relegated in any ways. Um, Yeovil is still in the league, though, and Yeovil Town was um, winless, um, yep. and they only gave up one goal, and it was um, – or, no, they only scored one goal, and, of course, it's against Everton. Um, and that Minus was, uh, 52 goal differential over 18 goal. matches for Yeovil Town if you're keeping score at home. <laughs> Yeah, that's the bummer thing about like, oh, there was no relegation. I feel, I feel like maybe you know, I'm, I, I, it's, it's a bummer. I, you know, they, I don't want to diss them, but it seems almost unfair to keep them in when there is such a, you know, it's, it's not very competitive considering. Nobody's that. the winner on that. The team, top teams in the second tier, aren't winning in that formula, and neither is Yeovil Town. You know, giving right. up 54 goals in uh, in in 18 games. So so yeah. let's so that that uh, that kind of puts a nice bow, I think, on what 2017-18 was. Um, mm-hmm. Big, uh, you know, big in terms of getting back in the top flight where where they belong. Decent performances, not uh, earth shattering. So that was to the end of last season. Let's talk what happened over the off season. Uh, I know. I know what the big one is for you, so I'll let you you talk on that to start. <laughs> yeah, so the big one, the one that I I was talking about pretty much every day and thinking about constantly was their goalkeeping situation. Um, so uh, the, Andy Spence, the manager, recently did um, an interview with She She Kicks magazine. He you know, of course, maybe he has to paint a rosy picture, but he's claiming that he thinks his squad is in a better spot than they were a year ago. I honestly don't think their um, off-season moves, uh, to me, I think they actually lost more talent than they gained. Um, they lost um, their their best goalkeeper Lizzie Durack went to Chelsea um like on like the first day of the like back in June it was it was a a while ago um and I think they knew about it too before that um 
So she went to Chelsea, and then for the longest time, it was just um, there uh, the one goalkeeper. Um, and every day I was like, okay, they're going, they're going to get another goalkeeper. Because in the in the transfer moves, um, it 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 wasn't even. Um, we lost Lizzie Dorak. We lost um, a few midfielders, three midfielders, Molly Green, and, mm-hmm, Jody Brett. Exactly. Um, and, and we, the one big one is we lost our star striker. Um, she was one of our main goal scorers, Courtney Sweetman Kirk to Liverpool of all places. Gross. Um, yes. So Liverpool, Liverpool went through a, like crazy changes. They like lost nine of their players. They, they have a new, um, a new manager and their manager is from um, Doncaster, which um, Sweetman Kirk used to play for. So I think as soon as he got in there, he he was looking for her, and I don't know how how he sweetened that deal, but she was like, see ya, Everton. So that stings. It stings because it's Liverpool, but also she was, you know, she was someone that scored goals, and as as you can tell from last season, that's something they really need um the, the but, team put up the team put up uh 19 goals in the uh in the wsl last year and sweetman kirk had five of them uh so i believe yep she was the team's leading scorer in uh in wsl play and that's a, a big loss given that what they've brought back in return is really not uh not of the same level Exactly, exactly. Because they brought in, so they brought in a very young striker, Hannah Kane. She's from Sheffield, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a lower tier team. Uh, she's only like, I think, 19 or 20. I'm not saying, you know, she she probably has a lot of promise, but not a lot of, you know, experience. There's um, not a lot, I can say, there, but, you know, certainly promising. Um, we gained a few um, midfielders um some of them one of them is is dutch one of them from birmingham city um actually two two of them are dutch and one from sunderland so some some i just i just don't feel like it's when he says we're better off that everton is better off this year than last year i'm not quite seeing where he's getting that from but the goalkeeper situation was dire and they just announced today right before their first regular season game against Birmingham City um, that they they signed Becky Flaherty Um, she's from Scotland and she was a free agent actually Um, she played for Liverpool and they dropped her um, after preseason so she and she's not very experienced either she she was she wasn't playing for Scotland Scotland just made um, they're going to the World Cup for the first time the women and I was like oh great she's from that squad but then I looked over um, their the squad names it didn't look like she was in the squad Um, but she played in their youth the, yeah, she job. she is only 20 years old as it stands. She'll turn 21 in March, uh, but certainly you'd suspect has to be uh, has to be the backup 
going forward yes. uh, with with Kirsty Lavelle as the starter. Um, and that brings us to today's game. Uh, the Everton Everton ladies had their first league game uh, of the season today. Today being uh, Sunday, the day that we're recording, uh, and they played Birmingham City. Uh, they lost one nil. They conceded a goal in the forty or in the forty second second of the game, forty two seconds in, uh, and could not find an equalizer despite some relatively valiant uh, knocking at the door. And I certainly think, and Rachel, I think you'd probably agree that again it points to the questions of last year. They were not a great offensive team, and now mm-hmm. with uh, Sweetman Kirk gone, where do the goals come from? Right. Yeah, that that's that's disappointing to go down so early and and lose their first game. Um Birmingham City is no slouch. They they came in fifth last season and they have one of the best players, Ellen White, um, in the world in my opinion. She's great. She was the top goal scorer of the WSL last season. Um but yeah, Chloe Kelly I think is their is their best chance. She was also top goal scorer last mm-hmm. season she her and a few of the other players just uh won bronze for england um in the u20s world cup um so i think chloe kelly i think she's probably their best bet um hopefully someone else can 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 score i i'm, I'm i don't know yet though um because as you know their their preseason they had that one good game against a non-league American team where there was a lot of goal scoring, but the other the other um, games. Other major games from uh, the Everton ladies preseason included a nil-nil draw against Liverpool, a one-nil loss to Atletico Madrid, and a one-nil loss to uh, Real Betis. Uh, that's uh, I'm not great at math, but that's zero <laughs> goals over three games. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, and 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 I do have to say, because I don't want to sound too negative. Yeah, I think it was great that they had that friendly tournament um, against the Spanish teams. That was a huge thing. That was a a big first for Everton ladies to to go away, and they were, you know, treat. They got the star treatment, and they did a lot of team bonding and stuff. So it's wonderful to get that um, experience away. Um, they also did play. Uh, uh, behind doors um, um, game against Arsenal. So who knows what happens that happened there? But from what we know so far, you know, goal scoring has been elusive. Um, hopefully, hopefully this this new striker Hannah Kane will will hit her stride. And and Chloe Kelly, I do think Chloe Kelly right now, I think she's our best bet. Uh, just for what it's worth, uh, Kane did appear on the bench, but was an unused substitute uh, in today's game. Uh, you know, first first match of the season. Uh, I don't necessarily think there's a whole lot you can read into that, but uh, it's just worth noting. So I, I think this kind of brings us into the the last thing that I want to talk about, which is, you know, what what's reasonable to expect from the EFC ladies this season. I think the one thing that's uh, important to kind of stayed off the top is that only one team from the WSL will get relegated at the end of the season. That's one team out of 11 in the league this year. Uh, and you'd have to think that Yeovil Town, still back up in the, the top division this year, 
would most likely be uh, be the candidate for that. They lost their first match to Reading four to nil this weekend. Uh, so I, I, I personally, and maybe you disagree, Rachel. You know, I'm not too worried about relegation this year. But what does this year look like, and and how do how do they build forward from there? Right. I I have to say I completely agree with you in terms of relegation. I I think Yeovil pretty much is is the clear bet there. Um, and also there's two other new um, teams in the league, West Ham United and Brighton. So who knows uh, about them as well? But I I actually. I don't. I don't even know what to say. I'm. I'm. I could see them being similar to last season. Um, perhaps finishing um, closer to the bottom of the table. Um, and I have to say, it, it it does stink because those top two teams, again, they have so many resources and they were able to cherry pick. You know, they're they're able to cherry pick and. And and the the teams on the in the bottom they they're hit hardest because even like they just took our goalkeeper but that's huge you know not having um, a really experienced goalkeeper can really affect your whole season so I, I you know I I could see them doing similar to last season maybe you know some cup games. The other thing is, and I have to say, they they started their Continental Cup um, games um, like a week ago to a second-tier team, and they lost 1-0 to Durham. And that really worried me because they finished fourth place in the second tier. So, And they're semi-professional. And that's actually something that I think is is worse than their last season because the last season in their Continental Cup games, when they played those lower tiers, you know, they, they won fine. Um, that, and, and they did have a lot of international players, you know, away on international duty. I get that, but that was a bad, a bad sign. Hopefully that was a fluke. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know enough to, to really say like, Oh yeah, they're, they're going to be mid table. I could see them finishing the bottom of the table again. But I'm hoping I'm hoping something happens, and I'm surprised. Uh, and what I what I will say, you know, the last thing to kind of uh, at least put a little bit of optimism I- into this is that this is a very young team. Uh, you, you know, yeah. you, you look at the the major contributors, you know, folks like Gabby George and and Dan Turner and and so on and so forth um, are young players, and that. You, you sense if if the club can continue to develop its young talent and and keep it, which is obviously a very important part of the equation as well. Right. If if through those growing pains they can manage to just stick in the uh, in the division for a couple of right. years while that's that's going on, then you could be looking at a team that is more regularly mid table, maybe a, a team mm-hmm. whose results and situation is. Uh, more more akin to what we see on the men's side um and that's given where the the club was even just two years ago it is a mm-hmm. a noble goal but uh just one that, mm-hmm. that you hope they they stay up long enough to be able to reach that point 
Yeah, exactly. I I, I agree totally, and I don't want to sound too negative on them because what they've accomplished is great, and they are dealing with, you know, they have to go in with the resources they have, and and it it is going to be a slow um, progression, I think, in terms of, you know, who knows, Hannah Kane, maybe in a few years, she could be one of the best in the league, and, and, you know, Gabby George is, is is getting better and better and Chloe Kelly like you said a lot of them are you know 20 years old you know that that's huge that could they could be a real threat in a few years and I hope so I you say about um you know hopefully keeping them I do have to say I think Manchester United is going to come up in the in the top tier next season. And that's going to be a problem because they will be knocking on Gabby George's door because Gabby George grew up in the Man U um, development system. And that's who she roots for that, you know. And, and, and is cousins of current Manchester <laughs> United player, Jesse Lingard. Exactly. Uh, you know, and there's, so. there is, it's, it's a shame that United uh, took as long as they did to, to, to start a women's team. This is only the, the team's first, season in existence, but, uh, you know, United has poured even moderate resources into that team and they're already wrecking folks down in the second division. So you'd have to imagine they're almost a guarantee to wind up in the first division. And surely uh, I know you and I, Rachel could talk, uh, until the end of time uh, about resource (laughs) allocation in the women's (laughs) game and how clubs all over the world, uh, both here in the U S where we are and over in England, you know, Mm -hmm. could is spending more, uh, devoting more resources to their women's teams, but let's, let's save that for another time. (laughs) Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us tonight. Um, I, I hope that, uh, that we've given all the listeners just kind of a basic overview of, uh, what you can expect, uh, from the ladies team this year. Um, it's worthwhile. It's high quality stuff. They're, they really, the quality in in the uh, in the Super League is really even just in the last few years so so grown so much um, and I hope that everybody uh, gives it a shot and I think once you do uh, you'll really find that it's it's a great product and it's something that's that's good to get behind um, so thanks again um, and uh, next up I think we'll have. Uh, the listener mailbag with Brian and Brian. So stick around and we'll have that coming up next. Thanks. Thanks. Well, thank you, Adam and Rachel, for that segment. A really good insight into women's soccer and specifically the Everton uh, ladies team. But now we're bringing in a couple new guys. Uh, well, actually, bringing back Brian Lewis, who wasn't with us last podcast, with us again here. And we're bringing in Brian Foley. Um, Foley at Foley's Thoughts. You guys know him from the mailbag segment. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to go through a couple of the mailbag questions uh, that we received and uh, really kind of see what Foley and Brian Lewis have to say about him. So, guys, first off, how are you doing today? Eh, you know, it's Sunday night. Could be worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing all right. Doing all right tonight. Looking forward to uh, to talking about Everton and filling the time until they disappoint us again next weekend. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, We've got a bunch of questions here. we got a few that, you know, we really wanted to hone in on. And, and so Foley, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. And this one's from at T underscore bone Foley. 
I don't know if there's any relation there. Um, <laughs> but uh, the question is, what academy or U23 player are you most excited about? Who And who will be the next one to make a first-team impact? So, Foley, start off with you. What do you got for that one? All right. Um, well, I, I think at the youth youth level, I'm going to have to go with uh, our U18, Anthony Gordon, who uh, who's actually already made an appearance. Um, if people uh, do remember, and I apologize for bringing it up, we played in Europe last year, and uh, he actually showed up uh, in the game uh, in Cyprus that we won uh, when he was just a 16-year-old. So uh, he, he's somebody I think his skill set, size, can help us in the midfield, but is definitely a few years away. Um, as far as first team impact, um, Fraser Hornby had the hat trick for the Scottish U21. Um, but uh, maybe when he comes back from injury, and I don't know if we consider him, uh, Benny Beningami there, um, you know, if he's still only 20. I think he's actually it's his birthday today or yesterday. Um, you know, and he made some appearances last year, but I think he'll end up working his way in long term into the, into the side. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those players are players that um, that could be uh, very important for us in the in the uh, hopefully in the near future. Um, guys that have performed well already. And and Brian will go to you now, Brian Lewis. Um, any academy players or U twenty three players that you're specifically most excited about, and who's going to be the next one to make the first impact? Make a first I mean, impact. You know, as as an American, I think we all have to immediately put Anthony Robinson. Mm-hmm. On that list, um, mm-hmm. you know, he made a well, we'll say a mixed bag debut or not debut, <laughs> but a, a mixed bag start uh, for the U.S. this weekend against Brazil. I mean, he got absolutely smoked for their first goal, but he bounced back pretty well, especially given you know who he was going up against, our squad, the Brazilian squad. I, you know, can't be too disappointed, you know. And, we can use defenders, uh, if anyone hasn't noticed, at Everton and the U.S. men's team, for that matter. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, I, Benny, in terms of who will make a first-team impact, you know, he's technically on the U23 roster, so we'll count him. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I'm kind of interested to see what Feeney, Morgan Feeney might do. I'm not expecting much, but other than that, you know, it's hard to say. It seems like we've got a group of guys that are just on the fringe of the first team. But, yeah. you know, are they really going to make that jump? We we tend to get, as Everton fans, really excited about these youth guys. Frankly, we overrate most of them. And then we go, well, what, what happened? Um, so we'll, we'll have to see going forward what happens. Uh, yeah, I will say another – Go ahead, Cliff. Oh, I was going to say another guy, kind of maybe on that fringe, like you're talking about, Brian, is uh, is Joe Williams. Who there were a lot of discussions, kind of over the summer, that Marco Silva had been impressed with him. Uh, you know, looking back at his loan, I believe it was with Barnsley last year, and um, you know, now he had to go back out on loan again this year. He, he was injured, basically during the uh, during the training camp. But another guy, like you said, who's, who's on the fringe, uh, and I, and maybe we're all starting to get that fear about Kieran Dowell, perhaps. Is that uh, you know we want to see him get over the hump and maybe it's early but you know this this is kind of his year isn't it to uh, to see if he can make that that jump like you just said and, and get over the fringe so 
I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah, would we, be nice. We talked, to, we talked about some lone players in the first segment with Calvin and Chris. Um, and, and just really, you know, the big question is, you know, what is what is going to happen with these guys, these fringe players that, you know, look like they're going to be good and look like they're going to make make an impact, but you never really know until they actually get up there on the first team. Um, but moving on now, uh, Brian, uh, we'll go to you first um, for this question. This question comes from at not Aaron Smith. Um, and the question is, how do you rate Chank Tosun's performance so far this season? Lewis, we'll start with you. I'd, I'd probably have to say a 6 out of 10. Um, I, you know, not scoring is a problem, ultimately. Yeah, we've scored 7 goals through 4 this year, um, which is a lot better than what we started out last year. And I really like Senk's movement. You know, he moves well. He's... He's got a pretty good first touch. He, he's comfortable with his back to goal and bringing players in. However, at some point, the guy up top's got to score. And you look at, you know, your Liverpools, your Chelsea, Man City, Spurs, even Arsenal, Man United, they have guys up top who score. And, you know, yeah, a bunch of other players can score, but if that guy's not scoring, the team's not functioning. And, you know, Calvert-Lewin, same issue last year where he just, he'd get some goals, but he wasn't that threat. You know, I hate to say like Lukaku just because a 20-goal score is really difficult to come by, but we need, you know, to go back to old names, you know, we need more Stephen Naismith, Andy Johnson, guys like that that can at least put in 10 goals. And if he's Sink's not going to do that, it... You know, it's hard to hard to give him super high marks so far. Yeah, we you know we've talked in a good light about about Chang's performance so far this season and, and really what he's done off the ball. But I think in the end, you're right. Where you know you need you need that player to score, and he's got to find the back of the net sooner or later and get off the mark um, and start getting some goals in the back of the net because that could really really help us moving forward. Uh, Foley, let's go to you on this one. I like the I like the out of ten from Brian Lewis. So why don't you give us a rating out of ten so far of Tosun's performance and give us a little bit of uh, explanation for it as well. Oh, it's uh, I I love everything about the guy. You, you want to give him so much credit for his work rate, um, but but I think um, maybe I'll just I'll be the the really nice guy and give him a six point five. Um, but I'm I'm really with you guys. He's he's got to score goals. Um, you know, I don't think it's, again, for lack of even being uh, around the right areas. Um, you, you know, uh, to me, the biggest question is going to be if he can't – if he does continues not to score and once Richarlison is uh, is back and, and Lookman hopefully gets into a role, is will um, – how how willing and how quickly will Marco Silva turn to uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewis um, up top uh, because he is scoring and – this is where I also think that cup games and cup runs are important uh, to, to buy us some games for those guys to all play in so that those don't become that those week-in and week-out decisions because, you know, we're just playing Premier League games after February again. Um, but, yeah, he, he's got to find the back of the net. Is, is, uh, he does a great job on the counterattack, and, and he's great for a 10-man uh, team. 
he has shown that, um, and and hopefully we don't find ourselves down a man too much longer uh, too often. Um, but but I'd like to see him catch the back of the net because I think he he is definitely like most strikers a confidence guy, and and uh, once he gets one, I think he'll get two and three and four and, and so on. And so, yeah, yeah, and go ahead uh, for just to like. And just as a reference, he's averaging two shots a game, whereas Harry Kane, you know, to, as a lofty comparison, is two and a half shots a game. So it's not it's not like he's not getting shots off. Now, quality and all of that is another story, but it's not it's not one of those where he's being asked to drop so deep into our midfield that he's just not able to get shots because by the time he gets the ball. He's got to play it off to others. Well, there yeah, was a there's a oops, I'm sorry. there was actually an instance in the last game I think that summed it up perfectly. Um, in the uh, the last draw, where he took on the defender and he actually took a great strike with his left foot, and it uh, it didn't dip enough, but everybody got really excited. But it really just wasn't a shot at it on target. Um, <laughs> and that kind of feels yeah. like what the season's been. It's like, oh yeah, there it is. But we're just not seeing that that last little bit. Uh, so you know, hopefully we'll see it soon. Yeah, that's all you could hope for right now. And I think you know, like uh, Foley mentioned, I think it'd be nice if we played with ten players uh, for more than for a full ninety minute game um, for consecutive games. That would be fun. Um, but in general, yeah, just got to get off the mark there. And, and hopefully, once he gets off the mark, he will uh, continue to improve this season and really get uh, some goal scoring going. But Moving into the real big question that we had this week, really good question coming from uh, at USA Everton. It's actually the Miami Toffees page. Um, the question reads, and, and Foley will go back to you for the, to start this one off. What's your top all-time starting eleven for Everton players that played internationally for their country? Must exclude players that played for UK nations. All right, so just to be clear, that means all of our British, Scottish, Northern Ireland, and Wales players are off the board. So, um, or are all of our defenders, um, as you may have, <laughs> as you may uh, <laughs> called it. But maybe I'll maybe I'll cheat and I'll take one of the uh, the easier positions and start in goal, um, where Tim Howard's going to have to be the the player. Um, we do have some good depth with Martin Stecklenberg having started a world final. But as far as the Everton career goes, Tim Howard in goal, um, that which was a pretty easy position. Once we get to the back four, things get a little bit shaky. Um, <laughs> Seamus Coleman, definitely. Uh, and after that, we can uh, maybe have some more discussions there, Brian. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just going to go with one defender in the back. Uh, no, I, you know, to be honest, I think, you know, you go back to 09-ish, uh, Distin and Haitango would probably be my center backs. You know, maybe Yobo. Um, but that, that is a little dicey for me. Yeah. Unfortunately, Sylvan Distin actually never tap for the French national team. Um, and in and in 2014, sarcastically um, retired from international football, claiming uh, great pride in his zero caps for the French national team. So even he's out the window. So we are we are scratching. Wikipedia lied to me. <laughs> I mean, Wikipedia lied. Yes, I know. I 
I he was he was my go to. I was like for sure. But but again, I, I checked. Uh, he tweeted it, so you know it has to be true, right? When people tweet it. Um, uh, but but honestly, maybe this could get us excited about our new crop of backs because we may have to be considering um, people like Yeremina who haven't even played for us yet, um, Kurzuma and Lucas Igne, um, because in reality they're just we we have not signed uh, outside of Johnny Itinga, um, you know anybody that uh, that that really can help us out. Unfortunately, Brendan Galloway doesn't count either, so. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I guess if, if we went with you know guys with a bit of a track record, it probably would have to be Haitinga and Yobo. Yeah. Would yeah, and then just like the last the few seasons, we can just play without a left back. I think that's you know we've basically <laughs> been doing that. Oh, Kuko! Hey, Kuko can play left back. No, Kuko like cannot can play that. left back. <laughs> but he did it all last year. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, he, played, he played left traffic cone. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, it's the midfielders now. What do you got in the midfield? All right. Uh, in the midfield, uh, Marijuana Fellaini's got to be in there. Um, yep. The, the, the big Q-tip is, uh, is definitely uh, um, a consideration. Oh, wait, wait. No, no. Left back. Brian Oviedo would be our left oh, back. Oh, yeah. Done. There you go. Oh, well done. Well done. And his team, <laughs> and an accomplished yeah. international. Costa Rica made the, the final eight in 2014. So, you know, hey, there we yeah. go. Fantastic. Um, and we have yeah. we sold out our back line. <laughs> yeah. That's, not, that's, not, uh, that's a better back line than we've rolled out in a long time, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, Fellaini's in the midfield. Um, as far as central midfielders, uh, unfortunately, same thing like um, Distin is Mikel Arteta never got a Spain cap, at least with the senior team. He only had youth appearances. So I think, unfortunately, he's not uh, he's not counted. Um, we could drop in, like, uh, can we call Tim Cahill an attacking midfielder? Because we've got plenty of forwards. <laughs> I, uh, we'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This is like those games where they name like the the you know the the team of the week, and there's only like two defenders, but then like your forwards playing right wing back. I think that's what this team is going to end up looking like. Um, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Kevin Sheedy, uh, the uh, Irish kind of winger. Um, you know, I don't know if he played obviously kind of in the attack, um, but. Uh, you know, had 49 caps for Ireland and 200 and over 250 games for Everton. So, I think we can uh, we can slide him in there for sure. Um, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Lewis, you got any? Um, do you have any um, recommendations for who else we could put in this midfield here? Anybody that hasn't been mentioned yet by Foley uh, that you might think is a uh, is a worthy person to, to fit in there? And we already mocked our colleagues about uh, De La Feu. Are we waiting on that? <laughs> no, we can we can jump right on in there. That's fine. No, that's that's oh, yeah. absolutely fine. Not not um, appearing in this list is Gerard De La Feu. Um, yeah. <laughs> Much like his career, he'll be stuck behind Kevin Morales. 
<laughs> yeah. You're saying we're going to leave out Kuko Martina and Gerard Delafeu from this <laughs> all-time starting 11. It just doesn't seem right. I'm, we were racing 2015 to 2008, 17, I think, just in general, <laughs> swiping it off the board. I think for all of our much. mental health, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Is it a stretch to say Landon Donovan? I mean, he had two good loan sessions, right? <laughs> and it's, yeah, and it's, especially at right mid, it's not like we're, yeah. you know, left mid would be a different story. But, yeah. You know what? And uh, what about Ghana in the center of the field? Could we, you know, he's played plenty of World Cup games, and, you know, you forget now he's been around relative to most of our team. He's one of the veterans, it feels like. Yeah, it's just I feel like with Fellaini, you know, if if we're trying to put in a legitimate starting 11, I don't know that you can do Fellaini and Ghana. <laughs> Wait, an imbalance in the Everton midfield? Never. <laughs> this, is, this is not Robert Cohen's Everton midfield. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, um, fair enough. Um, although, I'm not really sure who else. Yeah, I, uh, I, I dug through history and I couldn't find uh, anyone else that was had a notable international career. You know that played uh, played in the midfield. Yeah, because so, we could. I mean, Fellaini, Cahill as an attacking mid, Siggy, Ghana. Oh yeah, kind of about it. Yeah, unless we want to go to Thomas Graveson. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward yeah. silence. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's get to the forwards have, where we actually have yeah. people to choose from. <laughs> I was about to say, how about we move to the forwards where we might have a few more players to talk about? Um, who you guys got? Uh, you know, Brian Luce, let's start with you. Forwards-wise. It's got to be Lukaku. There's not really, uh, you know, maybe, I guess, if we if we can get 25-year-old Wayne Rooney. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll just pretend he doesn't play for England since he never seemed to think he played for England. Um, but no, yeah. In terms of actually following this, uh, yeah, it's really Lukaku's kind of about it. Oh, come any, on. What about Yakubu? No, Yakubu. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the yeah. 2010 World Cup, and he missed that. Sitter from about four yards out. He scored a penalty later in that tournament, though. Come on. Well, listen, yeah, it's better than I... a need to be. It's better than a need to be. He only had one goal Ooh. for Nigeria. <laughs> God, does so. he still play? <laughs> I, feel, um, I feel like at some point I have to look now. Um, <laughs> he is a free free agent, most recently playing for Beijing Enterprises as a striker. Oh wow. It sounds like that just sounds like a like a team you would play on like in your uh, Sunday night like indoor league. Who you guys play for? Yeah, Beijing uh, Express there. Yeah, oh cool. Man, it's like a, it's a, it's like a talk, talk about a descent. Everton, yeah. West Brom, Sunderland, Beijing Enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. We have. 
we have two distinct <laughs> categories here: Everton and West Brom, and then Sunderland and Beijing Enterprises. <laughs> which is which is so sad because Sunderland fans would love to argue, but at this point they kind of be like, "No, no, I understand that." <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, does that wrap it up for us? Does, does that uh, wrap up the? Uh, I mean, know how yeah. talented. I don't, know, I don't know how many games this team's winning, but. Does that wrap it up with the, uh, for, for the starting 11? Here's a good yeah. one, though. Who's the manager? Who's the non-English manager? Uh, okay. Oh, that's a good one. Because cool. we we all do understand there's basically, I think, three choices. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's interesting. Most... If you had one game, yeah, if you had one game, which of those, Martinez, Komen, or Marco Silva, who would you rather have be your manager? I kind of hate myself, but if if this is a World Cup type situation, I kind of have to pick Martinez. Uh, that was me hatefully agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, because it's it's true. Um, I just haven't seen enough of Silva yet to to see how he deals with everything. You know, it's not to say it won't work itself out, but but you're right. I mean, right now, and again, I guess if he's coaching this team though. Uh, he's got Lukaku. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. We'll just right. we'll just counter. We'll just counter attack. That's all okay. right. It's fun. all right, all guys. Right. We're gonna play long balls to Lukaku. He's gonna dip his shoulder, run, and score. Hey, Tim Cahill throwing a few headers there too. So you can just cross everything, and, and maybe we can find him back. In the I back. mean, on corners, on corners, we'll have Lukaku, Cahill, and Fellaini. I mean, oh, that's true. Yeah. Maybe we'll actually three guys who can be petulant children at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ever uh, the, the ref has no idea what's going to be happening. Uh, all right, well, that uh, that wraps up for the questions I have here uh, from Twitter. Foley, did you see anything else that you wanted to talk about? Any questions that came up? Um, yeah, but, I thought there was a, a pretty easy, uh, pretty straightforward one, which is uh, – you know, at the end of the season, who's going to end up seeing more left back, uh, more time at left back, uh, Lucas mm-hmm. Digne or, or Leighton Baines? Um, obviously, we we assume Digne was signed to eventually take it over, but you know, this is that first year. Um, so, uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts on that? Who do you think is going to end up seeing more game time this year? I mean, I I think from what we've seen this year, barring any real injuries. Baines is going to be riding the bench a lot. I, I just the wheels are off, and granted they were probably kind of off last year, but injuries and everything it kind of covered that up. Um, so yeah, I I think it'll be Dinier all the way. Yeah, all right. I I absolutely agree with you. I think he's going to end up getting uh getting way more playing time. But Leighton Baines is just I mean a great option to have. Uh, really on the bench and, and for like like I mentioned earlier, you know, those those cup runs to have both of those guys, you know, as opposed to uh Kuko Martina who has come up way too much on this podcast, um, <laughs> as an option at left back is uh it, it's a it's a nice feeling to have actually somebody discuss as opposed to um how will we prevent the team from falling apart if Luke uh, if um Leighton Bands gets hurt. So but I think Dignay will see more playing time and he looks really good uh right before the break, so I'm excited. There you have it. Guys, thanks for answering those questions. 
Uh, that was our mailbag segment. That about uh, closes it up and wraps it up for us uh, here at School Science Radio uh, for this week's podcast. Brian and Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us, and we're going to have more segments like this as we continue uh, with the School Science Radio. But for now, that's all we got for you. We'll talk to you guys next time.